All right, today, today we are going to finish the song that concerns the sixth woe. That's the, the woe that started in chapter 34 that began, Ah, or woe, you destroyer, who yourselves have not been destroyed. So Al got to bring us the parts of the song that were the blues, right? I mean, we got to hear all the coming judgments to Judah and, and God's enemies. But as we've all seen all along as we've gone through Isaiah, God promised to save a remnant. So that's the great news, this salvation. And we're going to get a look at the prize that lies ahead. It, it is designed to give the people back then, as well as the people of today, hope, hope as we maneuver through this sinful planet. And 35 is also going to serve as the counterpart to the promise we read in the third woe back in chapter 29 and it points to a reference we saw in of God's redemption listed in 29:22 where he pointed out that those from Abraham and Abraham's promise which includes us Gentiles would be redeemed so 35 although it's 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 a really lengthy it's 10 verses so it's basically cut in half that we're going to go over today. Verses 1 through 6b describes to us a better world and that we need to stiffen our resolve in this world to survive it. And then 6c through 10, and if you're going, where does 6c begin? In verse 6, look for the word for. We all know that's a magic word in the, in the Bible. So 6C starts with the word for. And it tells us that we're going to have a safe road to travel and we will have a joyful arrival. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just want to thank you so much for your word, especially your word today, which although it's 10 verses, it speaks so profoundly of the love that you have for us, the redemption that you've paid for us, and the ultimate, and the ultimate goal we need to look to in everything we do in this life. We need to keep in mind what the ultimate goal is and what we're living for. So thank you so much for this. Amen. I'm sorry, I may be coughing a few times. I am coming off the crud that my family's been passing back and forth for a couple months. I'm the latest person. I'm winding down. I just figured it was a cold. It was a good summer cold because in my office at work, it's like 60 degrees. And then you go outside, it's 102. So it's a, it's a big transition. So... Tuesday, I see a person I hadn't seen in a long time. So I asked her, where have you been? And she goes, well, I had COVID. I was like, you did? She goes, yes. She goes, I thought I just had like a, a sinus infection. 
she goes, those were my symptoms. I'd get up in the morning, be congested, and I wouldn't feel very well. I'm going, those are my symptoms. And she goes, so I went and took a test, and I had COVID, so you didn't see me for a couple of weeks. So what did I do Friday? Had a COVID test. I didn't think I had it, but she, she's like, you know what? She's having the same st- symptoms I have. So I'm, I am COVID free. I got my results yesterday. I am clean. And I, <coughs> I was thinking about cheating on the test because you get to do it yourself. And I'm not above cheating on a big, important test. God will work that out with me later. So I figured, you know what, if I just put this in my nose and don't wipe it around, I'll be negative. But I looked, and the guy's watching me. So I went, ah, this is not a self-test. Okay, I'll take it. So I did. I'm clean. i got to get in the practice of that if we're going to be doing that at work. But more to come, more to follow. So chapter 35, let's go over 35. It says, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. (coughs) Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute Sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. Excuse me. And the highway shall be there. And there shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. (coughs) Excuse me. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads, (coughs) and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So let's go over verses 1 through 6b what's coming and that we need to stiffen our resolve to survive in this world so as we saw in verses 1 and 2 it says the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad 
the desert shall rejoice and, the, and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it and the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. And they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Thank you. Oh. So if we look at verse 1, we see we are some of the most perfect people to really understand this verse, right? <clears throat> Living in a desert. <clears throat> we can fully appreciate the wilderness and the dry land. <coughs> Excuse me. Suddenly rejoicing because it's blossoming into a beautiful habitat like a wondrous garden. So the picture Isaiah is giving us here is a sudden transformation where green and beautiful flowers are popping up everywhere. And the earth and the people are filled with joy and song. The thing is, water is no longer an issue. And this is a picture of water coming up out of the ground. And we've seen this before, right? In the... <coughs> Exodus 17:6 God has Moses show the elders of the people his power by delivering water out of a rock at Horeb. Currently we see this too, right? After we we receive this thing that we hear about called rain, it happens when a decent amount over our desert and our valley will get beautiful. We'll see beautiful poppies and other wildflowers, but it won't last. The blossoming here we see in chapter 35 will be permanent. And how do we know? Because sin will leave, and then weeds will be no longer. And the thing is, we, you know, our desert used to be fertile. We used to have a really low water table, and we were a breadbasket to Los Angeles, and that was centuries, or over a century ago. But <clears throat> think about other deserts. Think about the Middle East, and that's just sand, sand everywhere. And the picture of that transforming is indescribable, but way back when as a young man, I had a coworker who early in his career he worked for a company that did hydro seeding. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's a mixture of goo. And I had this done at a home we moved in when I was a kid. In the 70s, they come by and they spray your yard. And you water it and grass grows. Well, the country of Saudi Arabia contracted his company out. And they would went out and it only lasted a couple of months. Because what they would do is they would go out and spend 12-hour days spraying their stuff out. They come back the next day, you just see sand. They're completely covered and blown over. So it became a little bit pointless to continue. So to even understand in that environment, in a moment, it's going to be all beautiful and lush, is just amazing. And later in Isaiah, we're going to see more pictures of this transformation. 
4118. <coughs> it says, I will open rivers on the bare heights, fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. In 43, 19 through 21, it says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make it a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostrich, for I will give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I have formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. And then 44.3, 44.3 says, For I will pour water on a thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessings upon your descendants. Almost a quote from what God told Abraham right there. With, with God towards us, nothing is sprinkled. If you notice this, it's rich and full. Pour. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring. <coughs> now in verse 2, the latter part of this verse shifts from seeing this wonderful desert scene to us, his people, and understanding this is a gift from God. It says, The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. The same words used here to describe the beauty of the desert are also used to describe the Lord. We see glory and splendor. And then something I found out earlier. To me, this has to be rare. I didn't do a big search on it, but if you're looking in your Bible and you see the references in, in verse 2 and 35, you see references to the Song of Songs. How rare is that? But you see one of them is, is Song of Solomon or Song of Songs 2.1. I am a rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. So the Sharon here, it's, it's a crocus in the family of lilies, are plants that grow in a very fertile and lush area. And what's so cool about this, when you know the Song of Songs, ultimately it's a picture of Christ and his love for the church, which in, in this world we can't fathom that. We can't fathom at all. It taking, it's taken me decades to even fathom that I'm part of a bride of Christ. I'm like, no, I'm the man. But you realize, no, you're part of the bride of Christ as a church. So we are seeing right here the beginnings of this love action happening in 35. This former desert will now have the natural fertility of Lebanon. When you see Lebanon in the Bible, you think of richness, of of mature growth cedars. You think of how just beautiful it is. And the richness of Carmel. 
just this fertile mountaintop. And then the beauty of this fields of flowers or Sharon and this amazing picture of beauty here, all of it, all of it will be lost on the people arriving because all they will see is the majesty and the splendor of the Lord. And how do I know this? We see it in the following passages. So, again, in our book, Isaiah 40, verse 5, God says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then as Isaiah 58, 14 says, Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. We get to that in verse 8. And I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verses 3 and 4. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God <coughs> will come with a vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Perfect verses to remind us in this world we need to stiffen our resolve. And then remember, Al and I have told you over and again that Isaiah has an awesome gift from God in his writing. He's able to write songs with words that are rich and layered with both an obvious message and then a deeper meaning. So we see that in verses 3 and 4. We have, between these two verses, two sets of four-lined verses. The first ends with, Be strong and fear not. And the second ends with, he will come and save you. So we see that we are to be strong and have no fear because he, he himself, will come save us. And we get from this passage that we are, as his people, still waiting for the Lord's return. We need the encouragement in the following areas. We need it in action, stability, and conviction. And we get that from the words pictured here is hands, knees, and anxious hearts. <coughs> and the hope that's given to us is to strengthen these areas in our life because the hope is Jesus will come for us. So this is a call for the past, the current, and the future believers to maintain a determination, a courage in the face of danger, pain, and adversity. And as believers, knowing, knowing that we already possess all the resolve we require to face the challenges of the world. We just need to remember that we need to continue to strengthen that resolve <clears throat> where you will see people of today tell you, oh, 
I have a new blessing for you. That's fake. It's what the world's selling. You have everything you need already when the spirit was poured, the spirit was poured out on you. You just need to do like in Joshua 1.8 tells us. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but here's the key part, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. And that's not talking for the immediate. That's talking for the future. So we are to know God's commands and obey them. We can't get through life saying, well, we didn't know. Nobody told me. That's not going to cut it. <coughs> and then by doing that, you're going to have all the strength you need provided by God to stand up any, any persecution that comes your way with the mindset that you know what the ultimate reward is and that it's coming to you. Then the second set of four lines is there to remind us that God will make everything right. He will take vengeance on the people who have been wrongly made to suffer. I know I've offered him my own list several times, and I keep updating it. But I gotta remember he's got his own list, and his list is perfect. He doesn't need my list. And then God is gonna make payback and offer his people full deliverance from the world. So then verses five through six B. <coughs> And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. To further aid in the buildup of our resolve in this world, God gives us these next passages, these next two verses. In them they have two thens we see after he takes vengeance the weakness of the human body is going to be removed amen every year I get older I appreciate this more so we will experience new bodies and everyone will be renewed and by no accident Isaiah has listed the healing parts of the body this way. In the first group, we have ears and eyes, seeing and hearing, which gives us the reception in worship, right? And then next we have legs and speaking for leaping and singing. Together, these give us all we're going to need for worshiping God in heaven. Now the second half of chapter 35, 6, 3, 6 C through 10, a safe road to travel and a joyful arrival. 60 through 7, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool 
in the thirsty ground springs of water, in the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. So like I mentioned earlier, we start on 6C with the word for. And it always links, so we're going to see what that links to in this passage. God is telling us that in the same way he renewed nature, he will renew his people as well. We see God's abundance in which he will bless his people with the same words. It will be break forth and streams in the desert. Sand, which we see here usually suck down water, will now be standing pools. <coughs> we see God talking about this elsewhere in the Bible in this passage, in passages like Psalm 78:15. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them abundantly as from the deep. And then in Judges 15, 19, after Samson had a great battle, it says, And he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place, that is, that Lehi, and water came out from it, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. And the end of verse 7 shows us that what God promised would be an uninhabitable land that would be full of animals will change from a haunt of jackals into a lush, grassy field. Verse 8, And a highway shall be there, and it should be called a way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. So we see mention of this highway again. We first saw this, if you remember, in Isaiah eleven sixteen. It said there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. <clears throat> this highway is for the remnant to make their way to a new ultimate promised land with no worries or no danger, just a joyous trip to see Jesus. Now what's interesting is the word here for highway is unique. And it's only used here. But it has the meaning of a more familiar term. And it's an idea of a road, a raised road built up that is visible and it's unmistakable as this highway. This road is called, we see in verse 8, the way of holiness. This word used for holiness is the exact form of the word that we saw in Isaiah 4.3. And it says, It is he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem. So it shows this people 
will be on the way of holiness. Everyone that's been recorded for life in the new Jerusalem. The good thing is that everyone assigned or called to this road, it tells us fool or not, will be guided to Zion to be with Jesus. Isaiah reminds us that the way belongs to those who belong to Christ. So I imagine traveling along this road and seeing the celestial version of the old-style Burma shave signs guiding us. How amazing that will be as we go along the way. <coughs> What's so cool about this being called the highway, the way of holiness, is it's interesting. Before believers were called Christians, they were called those who walk in the way. Those disciples that came up with that knew their scripture. Let's see where it says that in Deuteronomy 28.9. Deuteronomy 28.9 says, The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways. God talking to Abraham in Genesis 18:19. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. And then 1 John 2, 4 through 6 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And then verses 9 through 10. <clears throat> While verse 8 talked about who will be on the highway of holiness, verse 9 tar starts off by telling us who will not be on that highway. Verse 9 says there will be no ravenous beast on it, and there will be nothing that threatens us. Not even God's enemies can even cross over the highway. So who is there, who is on this highway, is the redeemed? Or, as we've been reading over and over again in Isaiah, it's the remnant. And what's interesting here is the word redeemed that's used here is used here actually for the first time in Isaiah, and it's going to be used 24 more times in the book of Isaiah. And it's referring to the Redeemer. So it's not talking about the people, but it's talking about Jesus as the Redeemer and his relationship with his people and his intervention on their behalf. We know that is giving us the gift that allows us to be on this highway of holiness.
And the way it's written in the Hebrew here, it would have made perfect sense to the people back then. Because what we see Jesus being referred to is a redeemer, much as they knew the kinsman redeemer. Now, if you remember the book of Ruth, Naomi had lost husband and sons, and ultimately their land, and she needed to give back, she needed a kinsman redeemer. And when the closest one was offered a chance, knowing that the land would ultimately go to Naomi's heirs and not his, he passed. And we see the picture of Boaz stepping in and redeeming Naomi's land. Boaz had helped his helpless relative when there was nothing that she could have done on her own. And Jesus gives us that picture. He came to redeem a people and he took it as his right, not a duty, that he was bound to perform to obey his Father's command. Therefore, in, in this day, we see Jesus as the only person God put in place to redeem his people, and he willingly, willingly took that role, offered his life to help the helpless. And then we see what our response to that's going to be in verse 10. <clears throat> now, Mercy Me performed a song years ago, and it states, What will I do when I stand before Jesus? Will I dance or in awe of him be still? We see in the Bible what our reaction will be, and we don't have to imagine anything. It says, the ransom of the Lord shall return and come into his presence <coughs> with singing. And it's not a picture of how like some of us sing in church, like mumbling. It's a picture of loud singing with tremendous shouts of joy. No one will be holding back. And why will they be singing? Well, here's what you could imagine. And I say that because in our life we have sadness and pain and now as we cross over into this world, all that will be gone. And in its place, in its place forever will be joy. And we will, it says we will be overwhelmed. Like I told you earlier, God doesn't sprinkle us with the Spirit. He pours it on us. So with this everlasting joy, we are going to be overwhelmed with an intense, with an intense gladness and joy. And God tells us in the Psalms this same message that he does in verse 10. In Psalm 100, and after reading Psalm 100 again, it's like, why don't we all have this memorized? It's five verses. He says, Make a joyful noise to, noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he, it is he who made us, and we are his. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. And then it says in Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And as we're there in that house forever, goodness and mercy shall follow us. So in Psalm 100, we are seeing that we are commanded to make this joyful noise. And that's one of those good commands, right? It's like if Colleen commanded me to go eat ice cream or go play golf. I'm not putting up a fight. I'm going to say, sure, let's do it. Make those commands of me. So it's going to be a great pleasure, a great pleasure for us to make a joyful noise as we feel this transformation in our bodies. No more pain. No more stiffness. It's gone as we walk in and then all that will disappear in the light of seeing our Savior. And no, guess what? We're here forever, forever. So what a tremendous day that will be. And then 35 serves as a reminder. It's a reminder to keep us focused on what is of ultimate importance. This world is not what we should be living for. And Al's been saying over the, the past couple of weeks, when you get up in the morning and your feet hits the ground, what's, what's on you? What's on your mind? And your decisions should be based on this ultimate importance of where you're going to be. So I'll add to that. It's like, what are you doing with realizing of what the ultimate is going to be? where you're going to be forever. Because we will be before his throne as a redeemed people, praising him forever. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just can't wait. When all this world is behind us, all that we see every day, and we know it's just temporary. Help us to keep our focus on our trip, <coughs> on that way of holiness, and knowing that an sure reality is we will leave this earth and be present before you immediately. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for redeeming us. And as all we saw the previous weeks with what was coming immediately and in the future for God's enemies and his disobedient people, we thank you for these 10 verses right now that so powerfully explain what our life will be at the end with everything you've promised. So praise God. Amen.